0: Good evening. I'm back in the in the washroom print shop. It's absolutely pitch black outside and it's actually quite cold. Autumn is definitely here. Which is cool. I like autumn. I don't like winter. I'm not a winter person, but autumn autumn's acceptable. I can deal with that temperature. <laughs> I don't like the cold. Um I was printing today the latest edition to the free Free coloring um, sheets. There is their liner cuts, which I create every week in in the theme of a coloring sheets. Their outlines. So some intricate cutting going on every week. Um, this week's one is based in the series of trees, which I'm doing for the next thirteen weeks. So a different tree every week that that can be seen around the UK, native or not. It's always questionable what the word native means. But ones you can find around the UK, and this week's entry was red cedar, which is a stunning, stunning tree. Looking at the line I cut now, I mean it's it's so versatile. It's it's the red cedar for most people's minds or what you might associate it with is the native North American Indians. They, you know, their their cedar cedar woods up there are phenomenal and that's you see these huge huge cedar trees well less so now than there were um, centuries ago, seems we all felled them all because that was clever. Um, but yeah, the, the Native um, Americans hold huge respect for the red cedar tree. And it's this phenomenal tree, there's an amazing book about it, which it's very inspirational quite an old publishing book about the journey and sort of understanding about red cedar and its relationship with the the native um, americans and just incredible really you know everything can be used everything from pulling up the roots to use them to make to rope and twine um to the sap to the the little pine cones to the the leaves to the bark everything and all of this done a lot of the time not always but a lot of the time with also some of it keeping the tree alive which is phenomenal so you know stripping the bark from the tree was done to living trees so the trees were standing and they wouldn't it wouldn't kill the tree afterwards it was done in a way where the tree was able to grow on to provide more bark I mean what a way of thinking about life You don't don't have to destroy in order to gain. (laughs) There can be a balance. Um, And yeah, the liner cut I did was about red cedar. As I say, a a phenomenal tree. Uh, um, I'm looking at it now, though. (laughs) two very crude, my interpretations of a totem pole. I I didn't have the heart to try and just copy an image. I'm not very good at doing that. I like to either draw from my imagination or draw from life. Um... And totem poles were f- straight from my imagination, you know. They're they're very sacred things, totem pole, and it felt wrong to try and copy something from an ancient culture or well a culture that still still is living, um, and take their imagery and say I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in Roland's castle, and that that didn't feel right. So I actually used some of my own imagery and, and the animals and and things and part of life that are important. In this part of the world, or should be, so they they've gone on the totem poles <laughs> that kind of justified it to me is that that was okay um yes yeah, it's, it's an amazing tree, and i I have outside in our <laughs> in our garden my attempt at a at a cedar bark basket, which didn't quite work out <laughs> as it meant as it meant to work out. It looked so easy when the instructions, but my goodness, what a skill that is kind of brings it, brings it back home when you, when you try and follow instructions and and you think, yeah, they make that look so easy and, and they do make it look so easy. And then when you try it, it's really bloody hard. And you're like, this does not work again. <laughs> Incredible really. But you know, the bit I did manage to weave as, as the bark dried out, it, it just became like tree again so strong and so tough incredible i actually use the bark in weaving as well i integrate it into the the weft of weaving so you can strip the cedar bark down to sort of various different layers which have different uses i mean i i know i'm just scraping the surface here but the the bark i use in weaving adds a really nice nice effect and strength to the weave and very interesting weft and this is very basic weaving there's no fancy patterns just a warp and a weft and keep making making it longer and longer um but yeah they, they're they going up tomorrow so that will be hopefully they're not going to get blown down although i haven't been put off by the weather so far i hang them outside our house in a protected shelter they have their own little house these coloring sheets and they've gone up in in many a storm and people are still committed to come and collect them which is which is pretty awesome uh, so <laughs> they'll be going up tomorrow oh what what I'm working on now is is quite an interesting project. It's 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 very quiet because there's a lot of thinking involved and a lot of tessellation involved, and my head has gone gone a bit mangled, is the only way to describe it. It's I'm, I'm kind of designing. Oh, I suppose in essence, it's a children's toy. I have a lot of toy making heritage in my family line, and I've always been interested in toys. I'm not a toy maker, but I i love puppetry and i love children's toys and i love seeing the mechanics of wooden toys and see how they work and operate and also the educational value a toy doesn't just have to be you know something to role play with it can actually also be which is also educational but it can also be a learning tool play is vital to learning and, and so i'm sitting with this sort of idea of tessellating bug blocks um that's the very that's the basic principle and when you try and draw a bug with all its elements and i've got a dung beetle and a ladybird in front of me here these are sort of native uk bugs to try and make all their elements and all their legs and their antennae and all these other bits they're incredible these bits that attach to the bugs and each one is marginally different in the way the legs span out but you've got a tessellation to work with so you can't quite Draw it anatomically accurately because that won't therefore match up with the 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 tessellation related to the to the ladybird. It won't you can only cross certain grid lines when you cross over the blocks, if that makes any sense. And so the dung beetle have to be slightly abstracted. He's gone rather he's a slimline dung beetle. Dung beetles are quite quite tough, stout bugs, they have to move balls of dung which are, you know, five times their weight or something, ludicrous, incredible. So they're incredibly strong and tough and quite stout. And this one's gone on a, a Weight Watchers diet. It is now <laughs> very, very slim, only because it's the only way I could actually fit in the the, the sort of the, the how can I describe it, the lines that match up with the other bugs and the opportunities of children to be able to create their own bugs. And likewise, the the ladybird has gone the other, has gone the other way. <laughs> the ladybirds obviously eaten the food the dung beetle did not. Um, but you know, I, they they become abstracted bugs. The principle is there: the principle of the dung beetle and the principle of the ladybird. Um, but but they're not quite accurate. But I I can't really do it any other way. I don't think. I've been sort of staring at them for the last hour and a half thinking how can I make this? No it can't, it can't work any other way. Um, But it's going to be incredibly complex to to cut these out and print them onto the wooden blocks, which will be great fun. I've got two wonderful um, trial assistants who this will be made for, two daughters aged two and a half and six and a half, who will either show great interest or completely ignore it and will go to the back of the cupboard never to be seen again, as with many of the toys I give to them. And out comes the Lego. Usually, <laughs> <laughs> it's not always true. Some of them they have really enjoyed. Um, but it's it's a good tester of of children's interest in something. But bugs always seem to hold a hold a fascination with children, and I can see why. Having now spent the last hour and a half studying them in great depth, they're you know, they're fascinating. You know, all, all these mechanical things—they kind of lock together. Humans are very very complex, but also in so many ways so simple. We have these massive bones that are able to lock into place and be controlled by mus- and muscles and tendons. We don't have an outer skeletal system. We don't have a outer armature, and it's, it's amazing. And then these the ladybird has to have this wing case that opens up. I mean, the mechanics of that, when you actually think about it, at the scale a ladybird is at, the mechanics of that, I mean, mechanics, is the wrong word, because it's, it's, a sort of, it's a living organism, but how that operates is phenomenal. Absolutely incredible. Uh, you can so you can see why children like them. They're very small. They have these moving parts in essence. And humans all seem quite cumbersome and quite clumpy and big footed and our footprint is so large upon the world and these little bugs and these little creatures around and the dung beetles, phenomenal thing is amazing creature. Absolutely incredible. And we have them in this country and actually very few people seem to know we have dung beetles in this country, but we do, we very much do. I mean, they're not, they're not necessarily common because their habitat and various other reasons why they might not be as common as they were but what a crazy creature to make little balls of dung. So it's. It's lava can nest in it and they become the food for the lava and then the lava hatches out of the dung ball, the brood ball, it's called. I mean, it's incredible. I did one of the three liner cut coloring sheets ages ago, right, during the um, sort of central period of lockdown, based upon T's for ty- Typhaeus, I think you pronounce it, which is um, the European dung beetle or minotaur beetle, and it was the most popular sheet. Because it's just it was just this image of of a dung beetle, and I think children and adults are just drawn to that sort of beautiful beautiful quality. Um, but I've got six of these bugs to match up, so that their legs and other things can be reshifted and repositioned within the cube. And I've got wings on one of them, so I don't quite <laughs> I don't quite know how that's going to work. Hence why I'm just sort of. There's no no washroom print inky sounds at the moment because I'm just trying to figure out how a wood wasp with its beautiful wings fits into this tessellation system. And I think it can, but it's very complicated, (laughs) very complicated, very complicated. And I'm not sure the wood wasp is quite a long creature and these are square, square tessellations. I'm not quite sure how that's gonna work out. It might have to be a stout wood wasp that's become very squat. So what it's a weight lift it's a weight lifting wood wasp, that's it. Yep, yeah, so it's it's very short and very stout and very wide. <laughs> very short wings. And then it should fit in and I can tessellate it. Um see so yeah, that's what's happening in in the print shop stay and then they'll get cut and inked up and, and printed onto their blocks and we'll send the blocks out to the wolves of the two young children to see how, what they make of it. And this isn't for production or anything. I'm not, I'm not a toy maker. I do this because I love to print and I think there's so, there's so much potentials within it. And there's so many potentials in, you know, educational learning within play. And it's, it's nice to be able to make things for you, for your family and for friends that, that are handmade and truly made with love and a thought and time. Like these colouring sheets, which I'm hoping it's not going to rain. We had a few flash floods today. That that wouldn't be good for the little art house that sits outside. I might float away like a giant art house boat down Castle Road. That could be quite a fun. It would distribute the prints down the road. But yeah, they, yeah, hopefully not. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to get back to trying to match the ladybird's legs with the dung beetle's legs. Or go to bed. Probably the latter. (laughs) And dream about beetles. Uh, Hey, it's all good fun, isn't it, right? Gotta have fun doing these things. Until next time.